everyone. Uh, I'm Josh. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Andy. I'm your other host. And this is uh, the next episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss, uh, where we're going to be giving you an overview of what's going on in the news, sports, parenting, pop culture. Andy, how's your week been? Uh, It's been busy as always. We had a COVID test in the house. It came back negative, thankfully. So we got some firsthand experience with, uh, with that process and went Smoother than we would have expected. I think we got our results back in might have been 24 hours. It wasn't. It wasn't 48. It was. It was shorter than two days. So that that was an experience. Uh, so I, I, a little bit of sickness in the house, but everybody's on the mend now, and everything's looking up over here. How about your end of end of the woods? Well, nothing that exciting, um, for sure. Uh, very happy that uh, you guys were negative for that. Um, I know we were talking a little bit offline and you told me that there was maybe some uh, smell and taste issues. And that seems like one of the hallmark issues for COVID. So I'm really glad that it didn't end up being that. Um, my week has just been, you know, work just up to my eyeballs, just trying to get by. Uh, thank goodness it's Friday. It's the weekend. Um, you know, hopefully get to relax a little bit and uh, watch some NFL, watch some basketball. Uh, I, picked a pretty bad time to record since the game one of the Lakers uh, Nuggets series is ongoing right now. Um, but I'm sure I'll catch the back half of it and should be good. Stanley Cup finals are set in sports news. It is the lightning against the stars that starts tomorrow night. Can't wait. Starts tomorrow night. Yeah. So that seems to track about right. Like usually I feel the NHL playoffs are just a little bit ahead of schedule of the NBA playoffs. Uh, the Western Conference Finals starts tonight. Eastern Conference Finals uh, heat are up 2-0 um, in two very close games against the Boston Celtics. Game one had one of the most ridiculous blocks you'll ever see. A dunk got turned back right at the end of the game. Um, Even I saw that one. Yeah, I mean, all over Sports Center. I mean, just, the, you know, that happens so rarely, and now it's in the playoffs to close out a game. Uh, that was just great. Um in other NBA news, the Los Angeles Clippers blew a 3-1 lead against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Denver Nuggets are the only team in NBA playoffs to come back twice in the same postseason uh, from a 3-1 deficit. Uh, Andy, I know, again, you and I, I'm the basketball guy, you're the hockey guy. Uh, the NBA is characterized by predictability in the playoffs. Uh, the higher seeds usually win. Uh chalk it's chalk all the way up and down the uh the whole playoff schedule hockey on the other hand seems like it's the the complete opposite so we get a little bit of that hockey unpredictability in you know the craziest season in a long time hockey's been a little bit more chalk than maybe it normally would be um i think everybody expected it to be tampa or boston come out of the east they played head-to-head tampa won that um and then tampa pretty well cruised to the finals in the east dallas was a team that was harder to put their thumb on so dallas actually had a coach get let go mid-season for conduct detrimental to the team no one's really sure what happened it sounds like it was probably some sort of like a dui or a substance use situation Um, so that was a team that was a little bit harder to put their finger on but as far as records wise i mean they were one of the top three teams coming out of the west so it's it's actually been a little bit more chalk than normal in the NHL. There was a lot of chaos, a lot of upset, maybe in that first, the, the play-in round where they 
played the 16 teams to play into the final, the final 16 spots of, of the bubble. But once we got the, the final 16 teams set and the bubble going, hockey's actually, there hasn't been a whole lot of craziness going on. Well, it's fitting that in the, you know, craziest year in a very long time that the two sports would kind of flip-flop a bit uh, in their, uh, how their playoffs normally go about. Uh, everyone before the season started had the Western Conference Finals being Lakers, Clippers, a battle for Los Angeles. Now, of course, the playoffs are taking place completely in Orlando. There's no home games uh, for any team. Um, and really, I think that's a, an interesting thing about the playoffs this year for the NBA. Home court advantage is a huge factor for basketball. I would say probably more than for any other sport uh, as far as how it affects the lines. Your role players just pl- tend to play so much better at home than on the road. And if this was going on in a normal non-pandemic year, it's very possible that in one of those Clippers Nuggets game, the home crowd would have affected the refereeing. And at some point, some calls would have gone the Clippers way and the Western conference finals would have been LA LA. Uh, Now we have Lakers nuggets and there is a distinct possibility that the NBA finals could be the Miami heat versus the Denver nuggets. And I'm pretty sure Adam silver, the NBA commissioner is going to cry himself to sleep. If those are the two teams that end up, they're both great basketball teams, but that's not, those are not the two cities you want to get a great rating uh, for your NBA championship. I can go ahead and throw out a, uh, a trivia stat for the Denver Nuggets. I'm not sure I can name a single player all time that has ever played for the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> I don't know a lot of NBA, but I don't think there's a ton of teams that I could name zero players all time. And I don't think I can tell you anybody that's ever played for Denver. Oh, man, Andy. Um, right now, the best player on the Denver Nuggets is Nikola Jokic, affectionately known as the Joker. Um, and he's basically built like me if you just add another, I don't know, six or seven inches or so. Um, and that's the team that might go to the finals this year. So that's indicative of 2020 right there. That's got to be a guy you can root for. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, a reporter asked him, whether he was purposely so methodical on the court because he's a, he's a big man who can really pass the ball uh, and see the court. And he's like, no, it's not really that. It's just, I'm slower than everyone else. So I have a little bit more time to react. So that is a man after my own heart, Andy. Gotta love it. So again, the, you know, we've talked about our our respective sports, but really a giant issue uh, for Andy and I, happened this week in the world of sports after much controversy after many discussions the big 10 is coming back in october the big 10 is back i don't know what it's going to look like yet i think there's probably a lot of uh i mean it's it's the best time we could have for football coming back yeah the the plans are to come back but i think there's probably a lot of hurdles that they're going to have to go through to actually complete a season but hey at least they're giving it a shot Yeah, so let me give you guys some specifics about what the Big Ten uh, schedule is going to look like this year. And particularly, there is one giant red flag uh, that that Andy can touch on here in a little bit that he already pointed out. So uh, the Big Ten schedule is going to start on October 24th. 
the Big Ten is going to play eight games in eight weeks. There is not a lot of wiggle room in the schedule. Uh, the championship game is going to be on December 19th. The very next day is the college football playoff selection show. So presumably uh, a winner of the Big Ten conference, not going to jinx us, not going to say it's definitely going to be the Ohio State University and suck on our nuts, everyone else. But, you know, just saying the winner, whoever it may be, uh, is likely going to put themselves in contention to make the, the football playoff. Uh, the Big Ten has decided no fans. Uh, we're not going to flirt with 10% or 20% or 25%. Um, we're doing zero fans. Andy, were you surprised by that? No, I think to get people on board, I, I, I think people were so, so skeptical of coming back. And I think to really get the the Michigans and the Maryland's to be open to the idea of playing at all, I think probably having it be in empty stadiums was the only way that you were going to get any traction there. So no, I didn't find that too surprising. I think with college football, the passion's always going to be there, whether the crowds are there or not. So it'd be interesting to see what, what that looks like. It'll certainly be a, a new take, but no, I don't think that was a surprising decision kind of given the climate of where things have been here in the Midwest. Yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. I also just think there's a psychological factor to this too, right? Like, so the big 10 and the PAC 12 said, we're not going to play. And then the ACC, Big 12, and SEC said, yes, we are going to play. And if you're going to be the conference that said, no, we're not going to play, and now we're going to come back, tail tucked between our legs, you got to do something different than what the other conferences did. And so I think that is that speaks to no fans in the stadiums. There is going to be some concessions for families. It looks like they're trying to work out. Uh, getting uh, players' families uh, on a limited basis into the stadiums, but nothing of the, you know, 100,000 fans that a lot of these stadiums can hold. Uh, Another key difference between some of the other conferences that we're always going to play, um, as of September 30th, there's going to be a daily rapid testing program for these athletes. Uh, If there is a confirmed positive test, that player will need to quarantine for not 14, but 21 days which is, you know, almost half of those eight weeks right there. Um, in addition to that daily testing, there is going to be comprehensive cardiac testing. So we've had a lot of uh, news about myocarditis and are we really going to send these football players back uh, with damaged hearts, potential risk something happening on the field. Um, you know, that is going to be a part of getting players safely on the field. Um, And then if your team is testing at a positivity rate of greater than 5%, there's going to be a pause for seven days. So all of these safety measures sound great. They seem more stringent than some of the other leagues. But if you're going to say we need to play eight games in eight weeks and you have all these measurements, how exactly do you think that's going to work? I think looking at the other sports that we've seen, um, I mean, just look at where baseball was at. If we're looking at the general positivity rate on campuses, I think the idea of having 14 teams in the big 10, still ridiculous to call it the big 10 of 14 teams, but mm-hmm. the idea of having 14 teams make it through with, as you said, protocols that are that stringent seems, seems like it, it's going to be a, a tall task. Um, so I think that there's going to be a whole lot of questions of, what happens if a team forfeits a game or is it a forfeit? I mean, what happens if a team is 
unable to play due to the the positivity rate, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of questions that still need to be answered because I think the idea that 14 teams are going to make it eight weeks without violating any of those rules seems seems like a stretch. I yes, absolutely. And again, you don't have wiggle room. The selection show is 12:20. Your championship game is 12:19. You must play that championship game before the selection show because the whole point of this, again, it's not just to have a championship game. Yes, you will get tens of millions of dollars, and that's great and all that, but you want your conference, uh, your, the best of your conference, to have a chance to play in the national championship game, make even more money, uh, bring all the accolades that go along with them. So you need to have a Big Ten champ. Uh, you need to be able to be in the college football playoff. And I just really hope what doesn't happen is teams have an environment where it's hush-hush. Everyone wants to bury their heads in the sand and say, uh, no, this isn't going to be a huge issue. I don't know. I don't think you can do that with daily testing. Um, I I think if you require everybody to get daily tested, the numbers are going to speak for themselves. So I'm hoping that uh, that will answer that concern. Uh, but it just seems like they're hoping for a little bit of a miracle to get this, these eight games to happen in eight weeks. Josh, I don't know if you saw locally here in, in Toledo, we had a couple or we had a, a team with a couple of players test positive and it's been an absolute disaster of the local health department trying to figure out exactly what the quarantine rules are going to be, how they can play. Um, I, I know the big 10 kind of has their own protocols in place, but I think that at one point, Basically, the entire league locally was was put on hiatus because teams that had come in contact with that other team were going to be quarantined. And now I think it's maybe just that team and part of the other team they played against. But it just seems like in every sport, in, in baseball, you know, MLB has been a lot of the same. There's just so much fluidity going into this. I think it's really going to be a day-by-day, week-by-week situation to see is this working, what what changes are going to be made. So I'll be curious to see, sure, October 24th, we're going in with, with these set of rules, but even by, you know, the first or second week in November, what's the Big Ten going to look like at that point? Right, yeah, and I mean, we have another month. The NFL will be going on during that month, so we'll see uh, if the NFL can – uh, keep a really low case total down um, and it not really affect them. Or we might see a preview of what could happen uh, if we start seeing NFL teams spike uh, with a lot of cases and how that's going to affect their schedule. So definitely, definitely something to keep an eye on uh, to finish up the Ohio state part of this uh, Ohio state had two pretty solid first round uh, draft picks in uh, Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade. Uh, of the offensive line and uh, defensive backfield, respectively. Uh, they said that they were going to leave Ohio State, focus on preparing for the draft. Then this announcement happens. They both say, hey, we're coming back to the team. Uh, so Ohio State, at the very least, is looking like they're going to be fully staffed. Uh, all of their star players that were going to be available will likely be available to play this year. Uh, you know, always oh, got to feel good about our chances in the Big Ten. Uh, but we will certainly see. Justin Fields has been itching to play, and I cannot wait to see what he does once he is unleashed. He's worked. He's been a big voice for Ohio State, Big Ten and nationally. So 
I can't wait to see what he does when he actually gets on the field and is able to kind of realize that dream that he's been pushing so far, so hard to be able to, to get in play. How, I, let me ask you a question, Andy. How confident are you in Justin Fields? That's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I'll be going into last season. I didn't have a whole lot of expectations for him. I mean, he got outplayed by what's the name of the guy from uh, from Georgia? Uh, from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I watched uh, the show that had Tate Martell and Jake Fromm and the kid that ended up at Wake Forest. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, it's some trashy uh, Q- TV show that my my wife watches. I don't I don't know. QB one. Okay. Which made me absolutely read against root against Tate Martell when he was at Ohio State because he was a complete <laughs> douchebag in that show. And I mean, he turned out to be a complete douchebag in real life. So his his true colors were on display in that show. Um anyway, that was just a little bit of a side journey to, to get to Jake Fromm, but I didn't think Fromm was all that impressive at, at Georgia. So to see for Fields to be the guy that got beat out by him, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations for him coming in. And but I mean, what can you say about his play last year? I, no complaints. He played great last year. So I think I'm at least as confident in him as I was in the JT Barrett Braxton Miller teams. Okay, that's fair. Um, I think I'm a little bit more skeptical, and I think that's unfair of me because at the end of the year, he was playing with that. uh, I think he sprained one of his knees. Uh, One of his legs was a little shaky. I I was, you know, watching the Michigan game, the Wisconsin game. He seemed a little little wobbly to me. Uh, That's probably unfair. So you would take him over JT and uh, Braxton for sure. I'm not going to argue with that at all. Would you take him over Dwayne Haskins? I just love the way Dwayne Haskins played. So it, it's tough to say because I just loved his style. So I don't know how to separate the how confident I felt versus the style because I just love the guy that can sling the ball. And, man, that was Haskins. Yeah, um, I'm going to take Haskins as well, um, and that might be unfair of me. Would you take him over Troy Smith? No. Troy Smith had – Troy Smith just had the intangible leadership. You just – you never felt like you were out with Troy Smith. I mean, his his Heisman play. I I haven't seen Fields do anything like that. Yeah, I would agree. Remember, we 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 were in the stands for that was Penn State when he rolled out and rolled back, and I can't remember who he hit. I'm sure it was was Ginner Gonzo downfield. But that play where it was just like, holy shit, he just won the Heisman with that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The really, the really deep bomb. Yeah, he was. Yep. I I loved him. I feel really bad that he. Uh, I think when he was with the Ravens, he like got some like really bad sickness, and then mm-hmm. Joe Flacco ended up uh, like kind of just walking backwards into the starting job, and then Troy Smith could never get it back. Um, man, obviously, you know, we talked about our love for the 2016 in our last episode. Uh, just such a special team that will always hold uh, as one of our favorites being our freshman year there. Um, but I, again, um, Justin Field, I'm sure you can, uh, I'm sure you can show it to us this year. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit skeptical, but uh, prove me wrong. I'd love to see it. I mean, talking about leadership and intangibles, the way he's handled this entire situation, you know, kind of rallied the team and been the voice. Yeah, I mean, You certainly can't knock Fields for his leadership so far. I mean, he was a good leader on the field last year, but really, I mean, 
I, I've been impressed with him just as a, as a person, what he's done advocating for his team here in, in the last couple of months. So hopefully that translates to on the field. He can be that Troy Smith-esque leader, win a Heisman, and uh, not get trashed by Florida if we make it to the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please let that never happen again. Um, all right, Andy, you said something um, when we were talking. I did not prepare you for this. It kind of just came to me spur of the moment. The Big Ten has 14 teams. Mm-hmm. Let's let's shave them back down to 10. Who are the four schools that we're going to get rid of? Oh. Now, there are three obvious ones, but we got to make a pretty spicy. I think the fourth, the fourth pick is going to be pretty spicy. Okay, so why don't you hit us with the easy ones? Okay, I think you just automatically Rutgers is the no-brainer number one pick. Goodbye, trash. Please get out of our conference uh, and never disrespect it again. Um, Nebraska, for all this, we're gonna leave the Big Ten. You're you're part of the you're part of the Big Twelve. You're a Great Plains state. You're not a Midwest state. Um, get out, go. I don't want you in anymore. Hmm. Um, I like the school the most of the three that I just mentioned. Um, but Maryland, you are an ACC school. You are a basketball school. I don't care if Under Armour is in your backyard. Um, you're. I don't wish you any ill will, but uh, you are not in the big time. Goodbye. Yeah. Okay, so we gotta. You get, we gotta lop off one of these teams that's left. So. So we're get we're at this point we're knocking off one of the teams that were in the classic Big Ten eleven when we were in school, correct? Correct. This is tough. I mean the answer the answer is Northwestern, but I hate it because I love Northwestern. Yeah, I don't know. I mean let's let's uh let's just go through it real quick. So the Ohio State team obviously in the two Michigan teams obviously in. Uh, Wisconsin stays. Indiana, Illinois, I just think from a geography perspective, you can't get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State, we're okay with, right? Honestly, I think it would come down to probably Penn State versus Northwestern for the finals for me. Yeah, I mean, I think we keep Minnesota. It's still, it's still close enough. Um, Iowa, we, we don't want to say Iowa's a plain state and get rid of them. I was an easy. I was a team that's going to get ranked, and then you're going to probably go in there and beat them. So you don't really want to get rid of Iowa. Okay, I'm. I'm going to make an executive decision. Penn State, goodbye. We're going to keep our academic excellence. Northwestern, you can stay. Penn State, I don't know where you're going, but get out. See, to me, it's. It, it, it. If you look at sports, I think it's maybe a little bit of a different question. But if you look at the schools, you look at the list of schools in the Big Ten, and there's 13 big public schools, and there's one private university. And to me, I think that's where I, it's it's got to be Northwestern. Okay, I you're I mean you are right, um, but I never want to pass up a chance to stick at the Penn State fan. So uh, Northwestern, I'm sorry, uh, you need to leave the Big Ten, and now we're back down to ten. I do want to, to to go on a little bit of a Northwestern rant, though. We went in, I believe it was 2012, 
we went to they played a, a night game at Northwestern and I went up there with the twins and we had an absolute great time. The fans there were the best, friendly as could be. The stadium a little bit rustic, but <laughs> but it was but it was a good time. I mean it was it was hopping. It, it was a night, you know, it was an eight o'clock kick, so it was hopping. I mean we had a great time at Northwestern, so I absolutely can't say a single bad word about Northwestern. Um, people wish us luck in the rest of the season after the game. And you know how Ohio state fans can be. So for them to be, to be kind after Ohio state just went into their house prime time and beat them. I can't say enough nice things about the people there, but you know, maybe they're just a little bit too elite for the big 10. See you later. Call the Ivy league. See if they got an opening. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. The weirdest big 10 fan experience I think I've ever had was again, I lived, uh, in Ann Arbor, I went to grad school to Michigan for a year. I wore all my Ohio State stuff. I was on campus for the Michigan Michigan State game. It was being played in Ann Arbor, and uh, there was a bunch of Michigan stand Michigan State fans uh, walking around. And uh, somebody saw me and pointed at me and was like, "Oh, fuck you, dude!" And I was like, "Dude, like." we're united in our hatred for Michigan. Like what is going on? I don't know what the deal was. Um, but yeah, I, I, Michigan, you know, it doesn't really matter. Michigan state, Michigan. I don't give a damn for you. Michigan state is one of those fan bases. I think that hates us a hell of a lot more than we hate them. I went to a, I went to an Ohio state, Michigan state game at Michigan state. And I had that same experience. So I, you know, I kind of went in like, Hey guys, let's, let's watch some football. And that, it was definitely the fuck you. I didn't realize we weren't that cool. I mean, <laughs> again, like you said, I, th- I thought we all kind of had a common enemy. Let's go out there and make the best man win. But Michigan State hates us, man. I mean, maybe, you know, this is sacrilege, but maybe Ann Arbor is right. And their inferior- inferiority complex is a real thing. So who knows? Definitely the uh, the Napoleons of the Midwest, Michigan State University. Little brother. Okay. Um <laughs> I think that's going to wrap us up for sports. We did a lot in the last episode. Uh, Definitely, you know, there's a big question mark as to whether this is the right decision from a medical perspective and a moral perspective. Um, Certainly it is from a financial perspective, um, but we are going to have Big Ten football and the decision's been made. I'm going to enjoy it. I think that's exactly how I feel. I think we were a little bit down on it in our last episode. The news came out and it's exactly that. It's going to happen whether whether we think it's the smartest thing to do or not. So let's definitely hope we get to enjoy a straight eight weeks of Big Ten football. Beat Michigan. Beat Michigan, indeed. Um, in other news, uh, President of the United States, Donald Trump, is coming to Northwest Ohio, I believe, on Monday. Uh, he's coming That's right. In, he's coming in through the little-used Toledo Airport. Uh, Andy, tell us about the Toledo Airport. You used the wrong name for that, uh, Mr. Stowell there. That is the Eugene F. Krantz Toledo Express Airport. And I think we probably both have a lot of thoughts on the orange man coming to Northwest Ohio. (laughs) But my biggest disappointment in hearing that he was coming here, aside from the fact that he's coming here, and, you know, almost certainly he'll be an unmasked rally and all kinds of bad repercussions will happen for Lucas County was finding out that we formally changed the name of the airport and there was no ceremony. I am a huge Gene Krantz fanboy. You should be a huge Gene Krantz fanboy. And I'm thrilled that we named the airport after him. I was hoping that that we would be able to do some sort of a big ceremony. I was really hoping he would come back 
to Northwest Ohio. We'd be able to honor him properly in person at the airport that now bears his name. Um, Josh, do you know where Gene Kranz went to high school? Gene Kranz, alumni of Central Catholic High School, uh, Andy and I's alma mater for high school. That is, that is correct. He brought the moon rock. We built the moon room after him. So if you let me go, just just on a little bit of a, a fanboy here, uh, Gene Kranz, if you don't know him, he is the guy, if you've ever seen Apollo 13, this won't be the last time that we mentioned Apollo 13 today, by the way, but if you've ever seen the movie, he's played by Ed Harris. He is the failure is not an option guy. He's, he's mission control. He's a real character. Um, he was He joined NASA in the 50s. He was around for most of the Apollo program. He was a, a flight controller. He really kind of revolutionized the way that mission control works. So at the beginning of NASA, they hired a bunch of young, smart guys and really had no idea what they were going to do. So Chris Kraft was, was the first guy that really developed the mission control concept. So Gene Kranz was one of the first flight controllers. So the flight controller is kind of the manager of, of the whole team that's, that's on the Earth communicating with the spacecraft. So he really wrote, literally wrote a lot of the books, the kind of the decision points. He, he developed the whole system that they use. So he's definitely a hero of mine. Um, I read his book recently, which is also called Failure is Not an Option. It's a fantastic book. Definitely suggest it to anybody that has even remote interest in space. Um, but he is famous. So, so he was the flight controller when Apollo 11 landed on the moon. That's Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. And he was also um, on the job for Apollo 13, obviously. That's how he got the role in the movie. So his team became the Tiger team during Apollo 13. So they took them out of their normal rotation. His team was in charge of figuring out kind of all the disaster stuff. So the other teams stayed on shift and took care of the the day-to-day. And his job was really making sure that, that we could get Apollo 13 back to the Earth. So super proud of him for being a guy from Toledo. I think he's an absolute inspiration. I think it's awesome that we named the airport after him. And I hope that when COVID is over, or at least a little bit more under control and it's a little bit safer, that we can bring Gene back to Toledo and that we can really honor him at the airport that now bears his name in person. I think it's awesome that we were able to do that in his lifetime. I was disappointed that that happened kind of quietly and I missed it. Well said. Uh, that's definitely. I definitely learned some things uh, just in your uh, little dissertation there. Um, I think you said you you read the there was a uh, a memoir or a biography about his life. Um, that's something I might have to check out the next time at Barnes and Noble. Got a copy. You're more than welcome to borrow it. Excellent. Um. So, in COVID news, I kind of wanted to touch on something that happened earlier this week. And kind of just talk you through it. Um, so, CDC Chief Dr. Robert Redfield was testifying in front of Congress earlier this week, um, and he ran afoul of the president um, by some of his comments. Um, and I just kind of wanted to talk through uh, what Dr. Redfield said, why it might surprise people, uh, why he said the things he did. And then, you know, I can leave unsaid what it means when the president is directly contradicting his own chief scientific officers on their, you know, chosen subject matter expertise, um, you know, infectious disease. Uh, You can draw your own conclusions. They're blatantly obvious. Uh, So on Wednesday earlier this week, Dr. Redfield said that masks may be more effective protection against coronavirus 
than any potential vaccine that the president uh, has, you know, left unsaid that the president has hyped very much. And if we're ultimately going to get back to having a normal life, the vaccine is that critical thing for sure. Um, there's, there's no denying that. And that's not really the point of what Dr. Redfield was saying. The point of those statements was to say in that transition period. So we're looking to get a vaccine developed, uh, late this year, start of next year. Um, just because we have the vaccine developed, there's still a long way to go, right? We have to manufacture the vaccine. Um, you know, we're looking at somewhere in the 330 million range as far as people in the United States. Uh, if that vaccine ends up having to be a multiple dose vaccine, you know, obviously multiply the total numbers by two or three of how many doses you would need. You need those doses to be manufactured in a very quality control way where they're, uh, you know, every, all the components are in the right proportions. They're stored at the correct temperatures. Uh, they're transported to the correct storage conditions to make sure those vaccines are still viable when they're administered. And even if this is a very good vaccine, it's still not going to be 100% um, effective. There are going to be some people who will get the vaccine. They will still get coronavirus um, because the ultimate goal is to get to uh, herd immunity. Uh, the president called it herd mentality earlier this week. I don't know what that is, but we're looking for herd immunity. And we really just need 70 80% of the population to have immunity versus COVID to really start stamping it out um, and not have it be widespread throughout the whole country. Um, so what we can do in that interim period until we get close to the levels we need for herd immunity uh, is wear masks. Um, again, masks are something where the more people who wear it, the more effective they become. We've been told that we're still not at the levels that we need uh, for masks to be as effective as they can be uh, to slow the spread of transmission. Uh, so that just to clarify some of the confusion uh, that may have come up, obviously a mask is not going to make us go back to normal, but it can help make it easier to get back to normal. So uh, I guess just to add a little bit of color to that, I, I think everything you said is is right on point. I think people are, let me go on a little bit of a tangent here, if you don't mind. Um, Bring it, let's one go. Of the things, one of the things I found out during COVID is that I have vaccine conspiracy theorists, deniers in my family. And that was one of the most absolutely shocking things. I guess I didn't realize that there are still, pe that there are people in our generation here in 2020 that don't trust vaccines. Absolutely shocking to me. Um, I, it, legitimately, I, I'm not sure I slept the night I found that out. I was sh shocked. So I think when you said that, that our goal is 330 million vaccines, I think one of the questions we have to ask is, are people going to get this vaccine? And I think that's terrifying, the fact that to get to that herd mentality, oh, I mean, herd immunity that we're looking for, I mean, we're going to have to have 200 million plus people get this vaccine are we actually going to have that in the united states what do you think on that uh in a word no um it just i don't know it seems the last four years in particular it's definitely not just the last four years uh it's definitely gone earlier to that um as far as the birther conspiracy um and a whole lot more others but it just seems that 
for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just being uh, not very tech savvy. I don't know if it's not having grown up with the internet and learning about trusted sources and what makes a source good. Um, but it just seems that conspiracy theories are thriving right now. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to surprisingly take a somewhat softer stance than you might imagine. This is something that I also uh, have experienced in my life. It's particularly difficult for me to deal with because, you know, I consider myself a scientist. Um, my background is in pre-med. I've done medical research. Um, I work at a company that uh, specializes in medical devices to help, uh, uh, to help patients all around the world. Uh, so it's, it's scary to think, uh, you know, that something that's pretty settled, uh, really one of the best things that medicine has ever done. Um, is, that is just so much in doubt by so many people, but I get it, right? It's scary. So you're giving uh, vaccines that have all these scary ingredients on them to your very young children as parents. You know, the worst thing that you can really imagine is that you did something to contribute to something happening to one of your kids. Um, and I get it. I mean, you know, vaccines are a big picture uh, part of medicine. The goal is to uh, get populations safe. And, you know, there are going to be individuals who have adverse events, but overwhelmingly, these vaccines have been shown to be safe. They've been shown to be effective. And I realize that people have large personal stakes in their feelings on vaccines. Uh, but trust me, these are not something that big pharma is pushing on you. It just doesn't even make any sense. Big Pharma is something that would want you to be sick so they can keep giving you treatments and making you spend more and more money. A vaccine that prevents you from getting the disease is not cost effective. Uh, so I know it's hard. I know it's scary, but everybody just needs to take a deep breath. It's real science. It works. I promise. Uh, I know it can be scary, but uh, you know, there's a reason that we have people who have years and years and decades and decades of experience built on hundreds of years of work uh, to make these recommendations. Um, and you would do well to listen to them often. I just want to throw out there too, if you're one of those people that is afraid that the government is going to add some sort of tracking device, I've seen that one. I've seen that one in my family. Absolutely shocked. Don't post it on Facebook from your Android phone that you're afraid the government is trying to use a vaccine to follow you, don't worry about it. You're already making it easy enough for them to follow you. They don't need the vaccine to figure out where you're at. Yeah, 100%. For all the people out there who are worried about being microchipped by Bill Gates, that already happened. Do you have a cell phone in your pocket? If the answer is yes, you don't have any privacy. privacy. The NSA knows where you are. The NSA can know what you're doing. Um, you know, it's 2020, we decided as a society that we were going to give up a certain amount of privacy for a certain amount of convenience and quality of life. And if you want to go live off the reservation and not have any electronics and stay off the grid, by all means, you're welcome to do so. But don't say that it's because of a microchip you're going to get in a vaccine you already have that. It's called your cell phone. You pay them so that you can give them data about where you are and what you're doing. 
exactly. So I, I don't get it. I saw I saw earlier today, speaking of conspiracy theories, there was somebody, I believe on OAN, who said that LeBron James is an Illuminati wizard and that when he throws chalk in the air before games, he's actually conjuring demons to help him on the basketball court. I, I kid you not. Somebody said this with a straight face. I mean, if your argument is that LeBron throws chalk in there and then he goes out and plays well, it's tough to, to argue with that, I guess. I mean, he, he does throw the chalk in the air. He does go out there and absolutely dominate the game. I mean, Andy, prove to me that he's not an Illuminati wizard. Can you? Can you? No, I can't. And for all the people listening out there, LeBron, LeBron James is not the greatest Illuminati wizard of all time. That belongs to Michael Jordan. He may be the greatest basketball player of all time, though. We should probably move on. Uh, um, so, again, yes, I understand uh, vaccines are scary. Um, until we have them uh, manufactured, distributed, widely available for use, uh, Dr. Redfield said that that was probably going to be a late quarter two, quarter three of next year. So I know people are fed up. They're sick and tired of this. We've got another nine months, probably at least probably, you know, maybe even a year where, you know, the safe thing to do would be to do what we're doing right now. So wrap your minds around that. You know, everyone has to make the best decision for their own family. But until we get to the point where uh, that vaccine is widely available and hopefully people take it, um, one thing I am gonna say, this is this is not a nod to the anti-vaxxers, but vaccines go through extensive testing, um, and right now uh, uh, there's uh, several vaccines that are in phase three testing, which is we're looking for safety and efficacy in large, large numbers of people. We should let those uh, trials conclude uh, naturally. Um, let them go as long as the panels of independent scientists who are going to be monitoring this uh, deem necessary. It is my opinion that we should not uh, emergency use authorize these vaccines. Um, particularly, again, Trump has wielded them as a political cudgel. Uh, he thinks that if uh, the vaccine is ready to go before the election, people will think that he did a sufficient job in getting us through this that the light is at the end of the tunnel and we're right there. You know, I am very, I am very pro vaccine, but I'm still going to wait. I still want to see, you know, these trials reach their natural conclusion, read about how they went, read the data, still make informed decisions for you and your family. Just use good sources when you do so. Um, But let's get there. Let's not rush through this just to say we want to be done. We want to go back to normal. Let's half-ass this vaccine. Let's do it right. I think when that moment comes, I will probably go ahead and uh, ask the greatest medical mind that I know. So uh, we can do that live on the show if you want to, and you can let me know <laughs> what the best decision to make is there. Oh, my God. Are Dr. we going to have vaccine watch in 2020 and 2021 uh, every week? Just be like, oh, is it is it safe? Is it ready? Let's, uh, man, I don't know. This is This has already been a long six months. Uh, but guys, we got to tough it out. We got to keep going. Let's be safe. Let me throw a question out here to you. So I had a job. I, I, I actually had two job interviews, 
two interviews for the same position here over the last week. Mask etiquette. First of all, I don't know how many... So I've been working from home the entire time, so I haven't been like meeting new people. It was a weird experience to walk into an interview and not shake hands with anybody. And then also preparing for the interview, you know, laid out the suit, whatever, want to look your best. Do you match masks? Do you go ahead and go out and get a mask that matches your suit? How, how free are you to use kind of, a, you know, I have some fun masks. I have, you know, Columbus Blue Jackets mask. That's my team. Do you wear a mask that shows personality? Do you go with like a simple, you know, a dark blue, a gray, just a neutral color? A whole new world of, I had no idea, honestly, what to do. So I went in and just made an awkward joke and said, I don't know if I'm supposed to shake your hands because I've never done this before. <laughs> got the second, got the call back for the second interview. So I guess it didn't go too, too poorly to approach that. But I guess that's a little bit of, of some of the lighter side of, uh, <laughs> the mask world that we now live in. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do, do you match masks? Do you not match masks? How do you do that appropriately? Andy, have I ever matched anything in my life? Your wife doesn't pick out your clothes for you when uh, you have a big day? I'm sure she wants to. Um, <laughs> if I I can match my belt and my shoes, and that's, that's as good as it's going to get. Um, my own personal opinion is, it's 2020, the world's on fire. Just wear your fun mask. As long as it doesn't say, you know, enough, you know, there's no F-bombs. There's no anything super explicit. Like, just who cares? Like, let it be, you know, tie-dye. I don't care. I actually do have a couple of tie-dye masks. I, I went with the uh, the simple dark gray, you know, I wore the light gray suit, mesh with the dark gray mask. But, um, yeah, I do have some tie-dye masks. So, I guess if there's a third interview, maybe I'll throw on the, uh, the tie-dye, show a little bit of personality. Yeah, I mean, the handshaking thing is definitely weird. You know, it's it's almost like you you, you want to go reach in and then you pull back and then it's like, okay, well, you know, do I give, you know, like the live long or prosper sign? Like, what, like, what do I do? It's the Ricky Bobby. What do I do with my hands? Like, um, it was exactly the Ricky Bobby feeling. I had my hands up by my face. I didn't know how they got there and I didn't know where to go from there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the world's on fire, people. Just, you know. Just do what you want. Who cares? That's 2020, that's man. Yeah. All right, Andy. So one of the things that, uh, you know, we think is going to be a hallmark of the show um, is kind of, you know, focusing on not just the typical, the news, the sports, uh, but also kind of, you know, family, parenting, uh, you know, being a husband, you know, and particularly now in, in the time of the, of the pandemic, everything's kind of turned upside down on its head. Um, talk us through how have you been managing stress during the pandemic, um, particularly in your roles as uh, a dad and a husband? And what are some like, where are some silver linings? What are some plus sides uh, that the pandemic has, has brought into your family? Well, I think the the first question where he said, how have I been managing my stress? I think maybe the more appropriate question is, have I been <laughs> managing my stress? Or has it just been running rampant all over me and, and crushing me? Um, no, I kid. I kid. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's there's definitely some silver linings. Um, you know, they, so I like I said, I, I've been working from home. So I've had time with my kids, especially the toddler. But, you know, even, even the school ager, the... 
I would have never expected. It was in some senses, it was almost like a second paternity leave. It's a very stressful paternity leave where, you know, you have job responsibilities and you're trying to juggle that. Like we had talked before where you have a, a kid cartwheeling through the background on zoom and, that's a whole nother adventure, but I, I think just the time and the opportunity. So, you know, at, at the beginning we were sent home for three weeks. So I, w I sat down and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to have three weeks of paternity leave essentially that I never expected to have. So we really tried to pack a lot into that first three weeks. I mean, I, you know, I, I taught the older kid how to roller skate. We were out in the, we live near a library. So we go in the library parking lot at, at 10 o'clock at night and, and shoot hockey pucks because we're a hockey family, you know, mm -hmm. so, so we went out there and, you know, we you kind of plan those things. Um, as a family, we moved on where we want to learn about other cultures. So we've done this, I think, three or four different countries now that we've picked different countries. And then we've done food from that country. We've done, we've watched a movie from that country. We've kind of done like a travel video where we learn a little bit about that country. So it's been kind of fun just trying to, to add some sort of, I mean, structure, just we've been trapped in the house and we're a big museum family. So we're, we're not learning together the way we used to. So we've had to get a little bit creative with that. And that's been fun. I'm on a personal level. I look, I, I, I don't want to offend anybody. And I, I've seen a lot of memes on Facebook. I don't know how people are, are putting on weight during this pandemic. I have eaten at oh, home. You bastard. <laughs> I have not eaten anything fried. I have, I am in the best shape of my life because I have the time. I don't have to get up at five o'clock to work out anymore. I can get up at six there. I can get up at seven and I can run and still be ready to start my day. So I am absolutely in the best shape of my life. Sorry to those people that haven't been able to do that. And it, if you got to go to work, you're probably not in that boat, but man, I have been, I have been running like a crazy person. And there were weeks where I was tracking it and I was actually running more miles in the week than I was driving. <laughs> Oh, first of all, I'm disgusted. I don't even know what to say right now. Um, it's a, There's definitely some kind of karmic balancing going on because uh, not, not that I ever, uh, you know, was a thin person, but there was a stretch of time in high school and college where, you know, I'm 6'4". I was by no means skinny, but I, I felt pretty good about my body composition. Um, and on the flip side, Andy, in the years since we've left college, I feel like for every pound you've lost, I have gained. And to the <laughs> point where I saw you and your family at the Toledo Zoo, I don't know, this is maybe one or two summers ago. And I was like, is that Andy? Like, like for, from the Mac, like to the point where like, I mean, I'm going to rib you a little bit. I was like, is he doing his best Tom Hanks from Philadelphia impression? Like, <laughs> he's wasting away. What is it? Like, is he sick? What is going on? But like, no, like, I'm very happy for you that you're in the best shape of your life. I have worked pretty much all pandemic time um, and in a supervisory role. So I have lots of team members who have been significantly affected by the pandemic and haven't been able to maybe, you know, work the full schedule they normally do. Um, so I am on the opposite end of the spectrum. I just went to the doctor and they took my blood pressure twice because they're like, no, it can't really be that high. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's try it again. And nope, nope. It, it was that high. So, um, so now I'm going to be keeping track of that. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, a sleep study that I'm going to be taking. Uh, I'm almost hoping for sleep apnea at this point. It might, it might, uh, uh, CPAP might do wonders for my uh, health and blood pressure, but uh, but yeah, um, from from my perspective, 
this has just been crazy. Um, you know, with three kids trying to balance their schedules. Um, the if if we are going to spin this positive, um, I would say that we've always kept our schedule busy. Uh, my wife, God bless her, she's the glue of this household. Uh, she keeps she keeps everything running, but she likes to be running. Uh, whether it's bringing the kids to extracurricular activities or seeing all of the many branches of of our family on a very consistent basis, uh, you know, hanging out with friends. I mean, she really tries to do, do it all for our family. And I love that about her. But when we didn't have the opportunity to do all of that, you know, to try and social distance and tighten our social circle, uh, you know, we were able to realize that the world, you know, was going to keep spinning. and It was okay if we slowed down a little bit um, and didn't do all of the things that we had been doing. And it was kind of nice to just say, okay, it's a weekend. Um, it was a weekend I didn't have to go into work and we had two days to, uh, we we plowed through just about all of the uh, the Marvel movies, uh, which there's a whole hell of a lot of them, um, and just you know putzed around the house and the house was clean and uh, you know we just had some time to relax and and just hang out as a family. So uh, there definitely has been some silver linings to this, um, but man, it's just when you're working when you do have to leave to go to work and you have kids in school. Um, I know I'm sure there's so many parents right now who are just at their wits end and you are not alone. It's okay. Um, we'll get through this together. Any, anything particularly interesting that you learned about the family that you learned about maybe your wife or any of the kids or anything that, that just really shocked you over the, the time that we were locked up in pandemic? Um, cabin fever is definitely real. Um, I, uh, my wife, I would say is very susceptible um like I said she likes to be on the go but even me like I am very much a person Andy can attest to this in high school there'd certainly be tons of weekends where I just didn't feel like doing anything I just wanted to stay home and read a book or watch a movie and Andy would call me and be like hey we're going out to do this and I'd be like oh my parents said I couldn't go sorry and I would just you know go back to my book and just so I am well equipped to deal with with staying inside during a pandemic. Uh, but even me, um, it, we've gotten to the point where, you know, there was a long stretch of time where the only places I had gone were work, uh, the grocery store, or the pharmacy, and then takeout drive throughs and n- nowhere else uh, for several weeks on end. And that, even I, at, at the end of that phase, was like, I just need to go somewhere and just walk around and exist in society for a little bit. Uh, I didn't think it would take, I thought it would take longer to to succumb to that uh, than it did for me. I'm with you on that. I I was a lot more comfortable, I think, than a lot of people and definitely a lot of people in my house at the beginning, you know, they were, they were really itching to get out. I was like, guys, we don't have to do anything. We can just chill. I was loving it. But yeah, I eventually got to the point where even I was like, It's just, it's too much. Like I said, I I think I said it on a previous episode. I mean, we drove to Cleveland one time just to check out a new park. I mean, we threw the kids in the car for two hours and said, we just got to go look at something different. Yeah. And I mean, luckily um, our family, uh, my in-laws have uh, a cottage on a lake up in Hillsdale, Michigan. So, you know, during the summer we were up there a lot anyway. Um, You know, that is a, a, a part of our, social circle, no matter 
you know, it could be the bubonic plague and we would probably still see those people. Um, and so the kids get to go up there, they get to swim. Um, you know, my oldest son is going in the first grade and we're just now branching out into that, uh, having play dates with friends and wanting to see people, you know, it took them a while. It, it still was a lot of, you know, I want it to be summer. I don't want to go back to school. He eventually did turn and he wanted to go see his classmates and friends, but, my kids largely were, I would say, relatively unaffected from a, a social perspective. Um, but, you know, and academically, that's still to be determined as as far as how this is going to go over the next year. Um, but really, it was more just uh, my wife and I realizing we could slow down. That, that And may, I hope that is something that uh, post-pandemic we will maybe say, okay, we don't have a vacation lined up. We've been running at breakneck speed we are just going to close the books and say we're not doing anything this weekend. And hopefully that will give us a good way to recharge. That's great. That's uh, I think there are definitely going to be a lot of lessons, you know, it sounds like you, I, uh, and, and, and probably everybody listening is are going to take forward. I think this is time that we all had to maybe slow down on reflect on our lives a little bit. And hopefully everybody's taking a little bit of something positive out of this that they can take going forward even if life ever gets back to the way it was before this so one way that our life has changed and i think i'm going to be taking a pretty big loss on this uh last weekend my family got a dog and uh just to give some backstory on that i am not a pet guy um, I'm definitely not a cat guy and really for dogs, it's not that I have any objection to dogs. Um, it's just, I already have three kids. Um, you know, dog, a dog is one more thing that I have to take care of. It hampers, you know, your schedule as far as how long you can be away from the house. I've never really been enthusiastic about getting a dog, but my son wanted one. Uh, it's still warm here and we figured it might, you know, be better to get the dog house trained while it's still nice outside instead of having to stand out in the snow. Um, so we brought a dog home and Andy, I think I might be a dog guy again. Again? Well, I should say I might be a dog guy more than I thought. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about that. So... One thing that the pandemic has really uh, highlighted is how do you handle stress in your emotions? And, you know, everybody in your life that's an adult is probably, you know, running on edge to some degree. You know, whether their work situation is dicey, with, you know, lots of tens of millions of people still on unemployment, you know, whether it's trying to figure out your education or childcare situation for your children. You know, I'm sure there are plenty of people who are used to having space from their significant other, um, and now they've been thrown together with them for a very for a very long time. And you're really going to tell, do I really love this person? Do I really want to be with this person? Uh, the answer is definitely yes for me, but hopefully, and hopefully it is for you. But um, it's definitely been a little bit of a trial by fire. But one thing that you know, it's it's really hard to say I'm going through all this stress, and I know you are. And I'm going to dump all my stress and emotions out onto you. You know, that's not really, you know, something that you want to do to all but the people you are the most closest to. Um, and 
but I just found like I've had a dog for a week now and it's like the dog loves loves the attention I give her. I can just pet her and uh and, and scratch her belly for just, you know, you know, an hour on end. Um and really just say, Okay, you are gonna help me feel better about myself and the dog is totally on board with helping me out with that. So um I've I've I think I've probably, you know, given the dog the most affection and attention uh, since we've had her over the last week. And I would not have bet on that for all the money in the world. Yeah. As someone that's known you a long time, I'm and poor old Foxy growing up. Your, your dog you <laughs> had at your parents' house. I, that dog was well loved. Your, your siblings, your parents took great care of it, but I don't, I'm not sure I'd ever seen somebody be so indifferent to a dog as you were to poor Foxy growing up. So to, to hear that, that you've come around. And I mean, you couldn't have picked a more beautiful dog. Your, your pup is an amazing looking pup. Beautiful. Um, but that's awesome that, you, that you've come around on that kind of seen the benefits of the dog. And yeah, that is not something I would have ever guessed. Yeah. So um, against my objections, uh, my wife let my son named the dog. The dog is a female black lab and my son wanted to name her widow Black Widow for the Marvel, uh, for the Marvel character, um, which is a horrible, horrible name for a dog, um, but Widow it is, um, and I I don't know I just like it's it's really nice to just be able to to come in the door. There's somebody that's very excited to see you and will you know loves you for all the attention you'll you'll give her. So um, you know it's been a it's been a nice. It's been a nice addition to the family. Well, let's wait until she destroys, you know, the first major piece of furniture and we'll see how I feel then. Uh, but so far it's going much better than I've expected. That is great to hear. And uh, you, uh, you grew up in a doghouse. Yeah, we always had uh, at least two, always a golden retriever. And then, you know, the other dog w- would vary, but I loved growing up in a doghouse. Uh, some of the dogs that, that were still there, you know, when I moved out of my parents' house, a couple of those dogs are still around. So I feel like I kind of get the, the best of both worlds. So when I go visit my parents, I still get to see those dogs. And I have no doubt that when something happens to them, you know, my mom will keep up the tradition. So I kind of get, I get the grandchild experience with the dog. So I get to go over there, play with them, you know, have the fun with them, but I get to, to give them back and leave when I'm ready to go home. So I have no complaints about the dog situation I have right now. I've always been a big dog guy, but I guarantee at my house, I would end up being the one taking care of them pretty much all, you know, I'm going to be the guy getting up, letting them out. I'm going to be the guy shoveling poop. I'm going to be the guy <laughs> feeding them every night. So I would just assume, you know, my mom takes care of that at her house and, and we'll stop by and play with them. And then, and I get to leave them where they're at, but. Well, I, I want to issue this challenge to all of my friends I have three kids and a dog. You cowards, get on my level. If any, if my wife or any of my kids listen to this, we'll be telling dog stories soon enough because if they hear hear that challenge, they will use that as even more ammo to build up. They definitely want a dog, and that will be even more one one more argument they can make to me of you got to give us a dog. So thanks for that. Anything I can do for you, Andy, no, no problem at all. <laughs> All right, so uh, we've done this a couple times. We're going to round the show out with a list of the week. 
uh we're gonna come back we're gonna come back to the movie well um you know we'll probably mix it up we'll do some tv we'll do some uh podcast recommendations some book recommendations um andy where are you at in the movie versus tv uh battle i am strongly team tv really um yeah man you get me in a nice cool room i mean a theater for sure guaranteed i'm passing out if you get me in the living room get the ac going turn the lights off nine out of ten times i'm asleep long before the movie ends even if it's a good one so i don't have the attention span necessarily for movies i'm definitely a tv guy interesting so i'm uh lo and behold exactly the opposite um my wife consumes both TV and movies at a rather alarming rate. Um, but I want the two, two and a half, maybe even three hour experience where I go. I sit in a nice cool room. I have no distractions. I have that big $5 pop that's going to lend me to getting the type 2 diabetes down the line. Um, maybe some candy. And I sit there and I have a nice contained story. Um, I don't have to worry about following the show uh, every week. I don't have to worry about binging through dozens of hours of content. I go, I watch the thing, I enjoy it, it's done. Um, And really, there's the thing I miss most, and definitely top three during the pandemic, is just taking my wife out, going to dinner, and going to see a movie together. Uh, Movies all day for me. I miss the dinner. I don't miss the movies. So uh, one of the things going on around Twitter right now is there's this challenge called uh, four movies that you like more than anyone else. And I was discussing this a little bit with my wife who berated me for my interpretation of this. And, you know, again, I went in trying to pick, I think the gist of this challenge is to say, you know, four movies that maybe, you know, you shouldn't really pick that top shelf super popular movie because how can you really say that you love that movie more than anyone else? So I tried to stay a little bit off the beaten path, but really like there are just a handful of movies that just no matter what, if they're on TV, I'm going to stop and I'm going to watch. They're the movies that have really stuck with me, um, you know, throughout my young adulthood and into adulthood. Um, So who knows what this list is going to end up looking like. I might not really hit the theme of it very well, uh, but it definitely seemed like something fun to do. So that's what we're going to do this week. It's the list of the week. Um, We're going to trade off Andy. So do you want to go ahead and start first movie on your list? Sure. Uh, Number four on my list. Um, I think this is a movie that that's probably one that a lot of people are going to say, I've never seen that before. Um, but uh, number four on my list is Dolphin Tale. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Um, it's an inspirational story. This this dolphin gets caught in a net in, or near Tampa, and it loses its tail, and they kind of nurse it back to health. Harry Connick Jr. I'm a huge Harry Connick Jr. fan. You may not have known that about me, but I'm a huge Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> I fan. I did not. I did not know that. Uh, we went and saw him in concert. Absolutely amazing. Uh, a story for another time. I made a life-size Harry Connick cutout for my wife for... <laughs> Maybe we'll have to th- throw a picture of that up somewhere. Um, but yeah, so she said, I asked her what she wanted. I think it was for her birthday one year. And she said, I want Harry Connick Jr. And so I made Harry Connick Jr. out of a 
cardboard, pasted his face on it. He's wearing a nice tuxedo. I'll, I'll send you a picture. Maybe we can throw it up in the show notes. But okay. Huge, huge fans in this house anyway. So uh, Harry Connick Jr. being it definitely helps. But but dolphin tail. So it's a true story. The dolphin is at a place called the Clearwater Marine Aquarium in, in Clearwater, obviously. And uh, we actually went there and we met the dolphin that is, is the star of the movie after we decided that we love the movie. So Dolphin Tale is number four on my list. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it just for Harry Connick Jr. If for no other reason. He was on American Idol, right? Possibly. Maybe I'm mixing him up or whatever uh, with somebody else. But uh, that was definitely something that my wife has dragged me through multiple seasons of. Um, very good job with your first pick because, you know, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm going to take your word that it's a, that it's a good movie. Um, uh, number four on my list. So the theme of my list is going to be more, I did not do a great job of going off the beaten path. But what I did do was take the things that you are familiar with uh, that are, you know, you know, maybe very popular in the culture, but then you take the lesser thing in that, in that group. So the first movie uh, on my top four for this is... Uh, true lies so andy when i say arnold schwarzenegger what do you think movie wise get to the chopper <laughs> exactly right so you think terminator you think predator you think kindergarten cop you might even think total recall that doesn't sound like an andy movie uh certainly a classic um i love me some arnold but if i have a soft spot for one arnold movie it's true lies with Jamie Lee Curtis in Arnold. Um, and you know, just it's, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a uh, undercover spy. His wife doesn't know that he's a spy and he ends up in this goofy mission where he sets his wife up, uh, to do some, you know, covert spy activity. And she ends up getting kidnapped. The plot is ridiculous. Uh, you know, you don't need to know the plot. It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Um, but I just have, I just love him as an actor. I think he's hilarious. I think he's in on the joke. Um, you know, this is not a serious movie. This is just supposed to be purely a good time. Uh, the movie ends with Arnold flying a, a Harrier jet. The main bad guy of the movie somehow ends up on a missile that's hanging from this plane. And Arnold looks into the camera and says, you're fired, and shoots it at the enemy <laughs> helicopter, blowing the bad guy up on the missile. And really, if that's not your idea of a good time, I don't know if we can be friends. I love this movie. True Lies is my first movie on this list. Never seen it, but that quote scenario that you just shared alone, I'm going to go check it out after hearing that. That's hilarious. Love me some Arnold. All right, Andy, next movie on your list. So number number three on my list is not, a, it's not an off the beaten path movie. It's not an unpopular movie, but it made the list because my love for this movie is more than your love for this movie. And I don't, I'm not saying that to you specifically, Josh. I'm saying that to everybody. It's Mean Girls. It's a great <laughs> movie. That one is going to stop me in my tracks every single time. No chance I'm passing that up on TV. It, it, it's, it'd probably be on my Mount Rushmore's of movies, period. Not talking to my top four underrated movies. My top four movies, that is a contender. Fantastic movie. 
hilarious. Andy, that is an exceptional pick. Um, that was not on my short list, but it would not take me super long to go down my list, uh, especially if we're going with guilty pleasures. I mean, uh, that movie is just, you know, phenomenal. Um, especially, you know, it's right around the sweet spot for, you know, people of our age. I mean, just some dynamite actresses in that movie all the way around. Um, that is a, that is a great pick. I, you know, definitely, you know, a, a popular movie, but not something you necessarily expect the 32-year-old man to pick. So I'm, I'm all for this pick. What all you right. got for number three? Okay. For my next pick, the reason that I will never be able to do this kind of list for sports movies is because for me, there is only one choice. If you're going to make me do a top five sports list, it's just going to be this movie five times. And that movie is Remember the Titans. Classic. Great pick. So, again, you know, I'm sure there's a million other guys who played football around the time that this movie came out um, and who love this movie. But I quote this movie all the time. Denzel Washington as the head coach in this movie is just an iconic character for me. Um, in a weird way, he kind of reminds me a little bit of my dad. My dad had a very short stint of doing some coaching when I was playing football. And my dad would totally say something ridiculous, you know, along the lines of, uh, you know, that we demand perfection in every aspect of the game. If you drop a pass, you run a mile. If you miss a block, you run a mile. If you fumble my football, I will break my foot off in your John Brown hind parts, and then you will run a mile. Um, I, this movie has so many actors in it. Like, you have a very young Ryan Gosling in this movie, just like, you know, just looking so baby faced, so naive. Um, the music in this movie is great. I, I have watched this movie more times than I can count. I quote it all the time, and I love Remember the Titans. Just one question for you, Josh. Is football fun? <laughs> Zero fun, sir. <laughs> I, don't th- I, I, <laughs> I don't think I could count on 100 hands the number of times you've yelled, you're killing me, PD, at me <laughs> over the years. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Oh, man. All righty, Andy. What do you got for number three? I want to take one more back, though. Can we talk about how young Ryan Gosling in that movie is Jared Goff? Okay, I'm feeling you, yeah. Jared Goff. Maybe not the way he plays, because, you know, Jared Goff is good. Ryan Gosling kind of sucked as (laughs) Sunshine Ronnie Bass. But looks-wise, I have to think that's what Jared Goff looked like in high school. Oh. Yeah, I suppose. And, uh, And Jared Goff making way too much money to play quarterback. Not that good in the NFL. Okay. All right, we're at number two? Yep. All right, so I said we'd be coming back to it, and, and here we're coming back. It's Apollo 13. Again, another movie, mid to late 90s, I think. Got some, some critical acclaim when it came out, but this is a movie I love. This is my sick movie. I don't know if you have a sick movie, but when I'm feeling bad, this is the movie I pop in. I can get absorbed in the storyline. I think I'm a huge Tom Hanks fan, so anything with Tom Hanks is automatically going to feel make me feel ten times better. But I can totally get engrossed engrossed in the story. So if I feel like crap, Apollo 13 is going on the TV. 
if it's on TV, I'm stopping. If I'm at my parents' house and it's in the first five minutes of the movie, I'm staying there for the next two and a half hours and watching the movie. So Apollo 13, number two on the list. So is your cutout of Tom Hanks, does it hang on your bedroom ceiling? Is it in your bedroom closet? You love Tom Hanks more than any person I, I know. Trick question. I have cutouts in both places. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Okay. I mean, you get points right there because you didn't go to the top shelf for a Tom Hanks movie. Real quick, give me three of your just essential Tom Hanks roles. I have to limit it to three? Yes, three. <laughs> go now. I mean, Tom Hanks' is Forrest Gump is, is the classic Tom Hanks. Uh, Tom Hanks is Captain John Miller and Saving Private Ryan is classic Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if we're going for the objective, it's probably like Tom Hanks and Big when he's young at the beginning of his career and kind of like the goofy got the hair going Tom Hanks. But I mean, for me, it's it's Tom Hanks as Jim Lovell. What a character. All right, there you go. That's your definitive power ranking right there. Number two, going up, number two, I'm going to cheat. Um, I did not want to dominate this category in a genre that you have no business discussing. So <laughs> I'm going to put two movies as my number two. They go hand in hand um, as major uh, nerd uh, fandoms. I'm going to pick The Fellowship of the Ring and The Last Jedi, Lord of the Rings, and Star Wars. And the reason I'm pairing these movies together is... If you look at the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the third movie was the one that won all the Oscars. The second movie is widely regarded as the best movie. It contains one of the greatest battle uh, sequences of all time in the Battle of Helm's Deep. Um, And that first movie really doesn't get a lot of love. But that first movie sets the whole trilogy up. You get to go to all these cool places. You get Ian Ian McClellan dying. You get Sean Bean dying in one of the more memorable uh, fantasy deaths that I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, it's very heroic. I love Fellowship of the Ring, and it's my favorite of the three. I don't care what you say. And then the flip side of that coin, Star Wars. So I'm sure you probably didn't follow all of the Star Wars drama that came of this last uh, newest trilogy. Um, the first movie was very much kind of a carbon copy of A New Hope, the first original trilogy movie um it made fans excited because it seemed like it was uh what they wanted uh more of the old stuff but it wasn't super original i would say the last jedi was was uh, it went off in a completely different direction that i loved it really focused on kylo ren uh adam driver's character who is an excellent villain um it took several tenets of star wars fandom and said no what you what you thought is not the case in this movie um and i love that it seemed to go off in a new bold direction i love the portrayal of luke skywalker ray if you ever listen to this uh, i think he was perfect in this role as uh as an old beaten down uh, former jedi all of the hate that surrounded this movie that surrounded the actors you people are the reason why we can't have nice things. Uh, and I don't have any time to discuss it with you. Uh, these two movies are obviously temples of nerd culture, uh, but they're maybe the less celebrated versions. And that's why I'm putting them together as number two on my list. 
I'm sure to know shock two movies I've never seen. Um, I do like the way that, that you talked about the Lord of the Rings though, that the setting the stage is the important thing. So you give him a little bit of love to that movie that, that was maybe a, a little bit of developing the world and developing the story and maybe wasn't necessarily known for the action or known for the, the big drama. So I think that's cool. And I, yeah, I mean with the star Wars, I think it's always cool when you go off on a different direction and maybe surprise people. Um, yeah, that's, that's 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 a risk you got to take, I guess. If if people are expecting the universe to maybe go one way, and you're gonna do something that people don't expect, I think that's an interesting direction. But uh, you're right, I have no business talking about this because I haven't seen either one of them. <laughs> I don't think I've seen a Star Wars movie that wasn't made in the 1970s, so I'm I'm a little bit out of my element here. And okay, I'm sure that shows. <laughs> you have at least seen the original trilogy, though, right? I have seen. Yes, that's like the old ones with like the pew pew. Yeah. Oh. Sure. Yes, that's one way to characterize them. <laughs> Thank God. Okay. All right, Andy. What you got? Number one on my list. This probably won't surprise you. Knocked up. Seth Rogen is my spirit animal. I've literally gone to Great Clips. I don't want to throw a whole lot of free ads to Great Clips. That's where I get my hair done. It's always where I got my hair done. I have taken a picture of Seth Rogen there because I wanted to look like Seth Rogen and Knocked Up. That movie is nonstop laughs, absolute riot. I love it. I'm not ashamed to say I love it. That's another one. I'm stopping him if it's on TV, and I'm probably calling my sister and telling her to turn it on because that was a movie that, that we watched probably 27 times together. Absolutely hilarious. Do not watch it with your pregnant wife. It's not nearly as funny. Oh, no. Outside of experiencing an active pregnancy, that movie is a riot. Wow, that is that is ballsy right there. Oh man, I I remember. I'm sure my wife still holds holds this against me. Um, I you know I was in the room as you should be if you're uh, if you're a father. I see the miracle of life. It's amazing. But that first time, man, I it it seemed like something right out of the movie Alien. Uh, I was you know it all fades away in the end. You don't have to worry about it. Um, but man, uh, so I commend you for uh, for for having the stones to watch that movie with a pregnant wife so have you you've seen the movie right oh yeah so are, are you the the jay baruchel's character where he goes in there, don't go in there promise me you're not going to go in there <laughs> no no i was in there for all for all three and uh it's definitely something that i would not have given up for anything in the world uh that, that's my number one and if you disagree with it you're wrong all right andy uh, this is really hard. I tried to spread out my genres of movies for this. So there's going to be a bonus answer that uh, I think maybe could have been on your short list uh, that we'll talk, that we'll talk about, but the number one movie on my list, this will be no surprise to anyone who knows me. It's the breakfast club. Classic. Definitely would have predicted that one. So my sisters and I have watched this movie together so many times again, so eminently quotable uh you know the character of john bender just so many lines um you know this is the stereotypical you know high school everyone's in detention you have all the traditional high school roles um john hughes uh you know again this is pretty top shelf i mean i would say ferris bueller's day off is probably the more uh recognized and popular john hughes movie um, and certainly a movie that I love, uh, but Breakfast Club is really 
you know, the number one for me. You know, the music is good. It's just the last, you know, 30 minutes or so where they're sitting around uh, in a circle together talking about what Monday's going to bring and how they're likely to go back to their old roles uh, even after they've had this great experience together. It's really just a touchy movie. Um, you know, I'm, it's probably, you know, uh, too much like Anthony Michael Hall to, you know, feel comfortable with. Um, if, <laughs> if, if I had to take shop in high school, I probably would have failed. My, my, my lamp would not have turned on. I don't think I would have had a flare gun and brought it into school. Uh, but I definitely would have been stuck writing the essay at the end of detention. Really, I just love this movie. It's so quotable. It's so funny. And it's number one on my list. Uh, two things. Number one, no chance your lamp turns on. You probably don't even have a light bulb. <laughs> Harsh uh, number, number two, uh, like I said, I, I can count on 100 hands the number of times you told me that I was killing you, PD. I can probably also count on the other 100 hands I don't have the number of times you told me to bury my head in the sand and wait for my fucking prom. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so good. There's just so many lines. Uh, oh, man. I've got you for the rest of your natural born life. Oh, man. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. Exactly. Uh, screws fall out all the time. The world is in a perfect place. Um, okay, Andy. So there's another movie that I really wanted to. We made this a top four because that's what the Twitter meme is. There's a, there's a fifth movie. Um, I left it off my list because it's probably too popular, but this movie came out right around the time that, uh, you know, it's our high school or college time. We watched, we watched this movie a ton in college. This movie. Played. I was wondering if we were going in the same direction. Cause there was one movie that was the last movie I cut off my list. So let's see if it's the same one. There's two that I think it could be, but the one that would make my list just based on the number of times I've watched it is wedding crashers. That is the movie I was thinking of. Yes. So I Love You Man, or no, excuse me, Role Models was the other one that I yes. was kind of thinking might have been on your list. Um, and that's certainly more off the beaten path. But Wedding Crashers is a movie that I've seen so many times. Vince Vaughn in that movie just slays me. And, um, you know, lots of people love Will Ferrell, and, and so do I. But I really feel like his cameo appearance in this movie is the best Will Ferrell performance in any movie he's ever been in. He throws 110 miles per hour when the, in the five minutes or so he's on screen. And it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. He comes in so late in the movie and it's so absolutely unexpected that you spend the first three minutes of absolute comedy gold wondering what the hell just happened. And you spend the next 10 minutes laughing your ass off. Man, Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn, I just wish they could make a movie like every three years together. I think they're great. I think they're great. Um, I, this gives us uh, Rachel McAdams just in all of her glory. Um, oh my goodness. Um and it's 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 hilarious like i i, I want to go just put it on right now and just go watch it after this podcast i might be going to do that that's also rachel mcadams second appearance i don't know if you're tracking that but she stars in mean girls as well yes and oof, she's a fox on that as well um, canadian goddess 
Um, I think th- this list might have – our list might have become a little bit too much of a, just an overall top five, but I don't care. These movies are great, um, and you should go watch them. Yeah, if there's something on this list that you haven't seen, go watch it. Go watch it tonight. Um, drink a cup of coffee if you're me so you can stay up. Um, but go watch these are good. These are good films. A lot, pretty comedy heavy. A little bit of drama, but but pretty comedy heavy. So keep it light. Go for a laugh. These are these are good movies. Um, all right, Andy. I think uh, is there anything else you want to tell the people before we start closing this out? No, I, th- I think we've been at it a while tonight. So uh, you know, took a little trip down memory lane, uh, threw it around the horn a little bit. So no, let's uh, let's let the people off the hook, and and we can get back at it next week. All right, so this was kind of our first around the horn episode. Um, I think we're going to do some more of these uh, as we continue on with the show, uh, but we are going to transition back next week uh, into a big tentpole you know big overall theme uh episode again and i know this is going to turn off a lot of people but we're going to start diving into the politics uh andy and i you we've discussed this uh next week we're largely going to stay on the issues so we'll kind of go uh we'll go through a, a a good number of issues to say hey how do you feel how do i feel i think we're going to have some differences we're really just kind of talk about what our personal beliefs are, why we feel that way. Um, you know, of course, there's going to be some overlap with how the current administration has gone over the last uh, three and a half years or so. Uh, maybe, you know, previous administrations, um, you and I were very young for Clinton. So really, it's just what we remember of the Bush years, uh, the Obama years. Um, and now of course the Trump years. Um, so, but we're largely going to focus on the issues next week, the week after that, we're going to record right after the first presidential debate that's coming up on the last Tuesday of the month. Um, and that will be the episode where we kind of go more full tilt, what we think of Donald Trump, the current administration, Joe Biden, uh, what we think November is going to look like because we're coming up real close. Uh, uh, November is right around the corner um, and then we'll have an election. If you haven't registered to vote, go do that right now. Turn this off. Do not listen to another episode until you register to vote. No election and in, in, certainly in the time I've been alive has been more important. So please go register to vote. And And even to give you an apolitical take on this, right? Like for a lot of people, you know, in, you know, over the next couple of decades, your kids, your grandchildren are going to learn about 2020 in their history books. And it's going to need at a minimum its own chapter, uh, if not more. Um, and they're going to, you know, come up to you and they're going to be like, oh, you're, you're an old person. You live through this. Like, what was it like for you? And like, what, what happened in 2020? And I don't know if that's necessarily what's going to happen because if this 1776 Patriotic History Commission, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> goes through the the way that uh, that Donald Trump has told me is going to be, it's just going to talk about how this is the greatest year we ever had, and we all had Turtle Sundays and went out and played at the park, and it was great. So that may not happen, but Josh is right; that's probably going to happen. So 
that's going to happen. And, you know, again, I'm not going to say you should vote for Biden. You should vote for Biden. But you should. You know, what, what I don't think you want to say is this was the craziest year on record in a very long time. And when November came around, I chose to do nothing. Um, so, you know, whatever your persuasion might be, uh, you know, get registered, participate in our democracy. It's very important. Uh, your vote matters. I mean, there's, there's been some, um, it was either in 2016 or 2018, there was a Virginia state legislature race that I think was decided by less than 10 votes. You might live in a district like that and your vote really, really will truly matter. Um, but even if you live in the bluest of blue or the reddest of red states, still go out there, cast your vote, participate in our democracy. And you can't do that unless you're registered. We, we can throw some, uh, some links to registering to vote in the show notes, right? Just so anybody, if you're listening and you're saying, I don't know how to register to vote, we'll throw something in there. Probably throw something up on social media, just a little bit of a guide of here's how to vote or here's how to get registered to vote or here's how to check your registration, at least if you're an Ohio listener. Yeah, so Andy, I listen to a couple of political podcasts, and if you go to votesaveamerica.com, you can find your state, and it will walk you through registration, how you can vote, can you vote by mail, can you vote early in person, can you only vote in person on election day, give you all that information, um, so go check it out. Hit us with that website again, one more time. Votesaveamerica.com. Awesome. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again. Stay safe, Ohio. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. Uh, you can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter, and you can email the show at Buckeye Dads Discuss at gmail.com.